What are some harmful money beliefs that we tend to hold? How do we begin our journey into financial literacy? Learn the answers to these questions and many more in this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Contract Diagnostics is a firm 100% dedicated to physician contract reviews. They provide a service that all physician families will need at least one time in their careers, most likely a few additional times as well. I love this company as they've helped over 10,000 physicians understand not only what they are signing, but what risks they are taking for their family. All contracts are reviewed by an in-house attorney and presented in a simplified way back to you. Using custom documentation, compensation data, and times outside normal business hours, they make it easy for you. All packages are flat priced, so you know what you will pay up front. Residents and fellows can even make interest-free payments over time. So look them up at drpodcastnetwork.com slash contractdiagnostics or 888-574-5526. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew. Welcome back to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. For my returning listeners, thank you. For my new listeners, welcome, because today, like on every episode, we're bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to talk about issues relating to the early career physician. This episode is a reproduction of a Facebook Live that I was co-hosting with Dr. Bonnie Koo. Bonnie is a board-certified dermatologist and a graduate of Barnard College and Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons. She's the founder of Wealthy Mom MD, where she helps women physicians to become financially confident and create wealth so that they can create the life they want. She currently lives in northern New Jersey with her fiancé and son. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Andrew Tisser of Talk To Me Doc, uh, and I have Dr. Bonnie Koo here uh, of the Wealthy Mom MD to talk to you guys today about money. Uh, one of both of our favorite topics to talk about, although maybe not some of yours. So uh, Bonnie, for those who don't know you, could you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I am a board certified dermatologist. Um, I've been out of residency for about five years now. And right now I practice mainly via teledermatology. That's partially due to COVID, but not a hundred percent. I've I've done everything. I've done academics, private practice, locums, and now I'm doing Teleterm. And I started blogging about money about four years ago. I don't remember exactly when. Kind of like just for fun. Like it was something that I enjoyed learning about. And then um, it was clear to me that it was an area that a lot of uh, physicians um, didn't have a lot of knowledge on. Right. And so it was just kind of fun to do. And then I, at some point I decided to create a business around it. And I also got certified as a coach and you and I have talked about that um, because what I've learned is there's like the stuff you need to learn about money. Like how do you invest? What's a stock? What's a bond? And that stuff is super important. But then there's this whole other piece that I saw that was missing in terms of money because people are scared of money and it's not really logical when you, when you really get down to it, like why are people are, I think illogically scared about money, the fear around investing, et cetera. And so I kind of want to learn how can I best help people sort of overcome their fears around money. And so that's why I became a coach. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, oh, Dr. Beverly Joyce. So welcome. Um, the, uh, it's funny, you know, money, the money issues that, that people talk about are really not hard. Um, being a doctor is hard, right? Right. Um, but docs are so scared about money. Don't like talking about money. And why do you think there's such a, a, a hesitancy to, to even discuss money as, as high earners? 
I think it's probably how we were brought up around money. You know, we all, you know, the thing is when you're kids and this is not just money with everything, you kind of just like inherit what your parents believe. And at the end of the day, what I realized is none of us went to money school, including (laughs) our parents. Right. So then we literally have the blind leading the blind for the most part. Right. And then there's all these sort of preconceived notions that we've sort of like assimilated into our belief system about money. Like I think, because, you know, we're talking about physicians, we kind of all bought into like, go to school, work hard, study hard, get good grades, and then you'll be fine money wise, like we're kind of told that, right. Mm. And then at growing up, I think a lot of us, especially if we weren't around other physicians, we look, we probably looked up to doctors thinking like, wow, they have it made, they're smart, they're, they're honored and, and respected in society, and they're rich. <laughs> Except once you become attending, you realize like, that's actually not quite true. <laughs> And then you're like perplexed, right? <laughs> oh, it's so true. I mean, I, I grew up very modestly, you know, tiny mm-hmm. apartment in New York City. And, you know, oh, yeah, the docks, they had the vacation homes and and they had everything they wanted. And then you you get out of school with a half a million dollars of debt and you're like, oh, my God, what the what this is crazy. So I think that's a great point. And it's these money beliefs we inherit from our parents as well, I think, really play into uh, people's hesitancy to talk about money and to actually learn about money. Yeah. And money is taboo. Like you were saying, like why we're hesitant to talk about it. It's strange, right? I feel like talking about your weight and losing weight has become sort of more okay now. Like, you know, cause I, I feel like growing up people wouldn't talk about that, but now it's kind of like mainstream to talk about fitness. Like everyone knows, like we should go to the gym and work out, we should eat healthy. Right. And so money just hasn't caught up to that yet is sort of my feeling. I think it will at some point. But it's just taboo. But it's kind of strange. It's just a number at the end of the day. Like, doesn't mean I think people attach like how much money they make, how much money they've saved or invested, or their ability. I don't know their financial freedom, however they defined it, as if it's tied to their like inherent worth. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, I entitled this uh, live "Money Made Easy." Uh, your top three tips for docs. So, uh, do you have some tips we can get started on? Sorry to tell Matt to. Stop making noise in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I might have to tell my dog the same shortly, but it'll be all right. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So I I put a few tips together and I thought they'd really just be talking points and hopefully people have some questions because that's that's the fun part is interacting Mm. with other people. Yeah. Please post questions in the comments, guys. Yeah. uh, I know most people obviously watch the replay. So it's funny, like uh, some of these things seem obvious to me and I think they are to most people. But like I said, I think a lot of us just have a mental hurdle of even getting started. So the first thing I always tell docs is, like I said, you didn't go to money school. So you got to learn the language of money. And I think a lot of us are afraid to be a beginner when it comes to money. Cause I think we're physicians. So like, we should like, know. <laughs> like, you know, we're smart. So like we should, I don't know why we think we should know about money when no one taught us about money. Right. But like there is a language of money, financial literacy, just like whatever specialty, your emergency medicine, right? Yep. Yeah. Like you didn't know how to be an emergency medicine until residency. And so there is a process. The good news is money won't take years of residency to learn. <laughs> you know, it's it, you can learn it much quicker than that. Um, and it doesn't require long hours. There's no, there's no scut work involved in that sense. Right. And so I think. I don't know. I I see a hesitancy to even start the process of learning about money. It's like, I'm not quite sure. I'm sure it's different for everyone. Um, And I think there's this myth that it's hard, but like it's nowhere near as hard as medical school. 
It really isn't. It, I, I think some of it is if I don't talk about it or if I don't think about it, it's not there also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I give talks to residents all the time and just basic, you know, this is a stock, this is investing in a 401k. Mm-hmm. These are the federal loan programs that are available. And people are like, I've never even heard of these things. Um, and these are things that really affect your life, your bottom line, and your uh, what you're going to be able to do when, you know, when you graduate and what, as you get progress through your career. So yeah, I mean, just basic knowledge. We're not talking, you don't have to be a financial advisor here. Yeah. And actually just what you were saying about residents also reminded me of something. I think also um, most physicians, I think, and I think you would agree, went into medicine to help people, not to like help ourselves to patients money. Like we don't think of (laughs) being a doctor that way. And so I think there is a lot of this, like you said, kind of like, if I don't think about it, if I ignore it, it'll kind of just be okay. And I think we're also told, even during medical training, although hopefully that's changing, like, I think older attendings are even telling residents like, oh, don't worry about money, you'll be fine. Mm. There's a lot of that going on, right? Yeah. And so I think we feel like, oh, it'll be fine. We're going to make so much money later, it'll be fine. Right. And but um, your income has, unfortunately, um, wealth has only a a little bit to do with your actual income, right? It's not what you make, it's what you keep and invest. So um, I think there's a lot of like hesitancy around money because we're like, we shouldn't, like we're doctors, like that's not our primary focus, but it is. Well, yeah, I mean, they always tell you, don't go into medicine for the money and no one disagrees with that. Um, But at the end of the day, even the lowest paid doctors are in the top 5% of earners in the United States. But I think there's an important distinction to make between being a high earner, being wealthy, um, because just because you make $150,000 a year or $400,000 a year, if you have none left over at the end of the year, then you're not wealthy. You just make a lot of money. Yeah. There's that term, um, you know, in that book, uh, The Millionaire Next Door. Mm -hmm. I think it's called Henry, high earner, not rich yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good point. A lot of us are Henrys when we start out uh, as intendings. Absolutely. With a very negative, you know, a a big struggle is just getting to a zero net worth uh, for many of us, which is, you know, scary. But at the end of the day, a couple of couple of easy tips can can help and make it not so scary. I think like anything, you know, doing your first proceed, you know, for me, you know, doing your first intubation was really scary. But at, at this point, it's not scary anymore. Um once you learn more about every subject matter, it becomes less intimidating. So yeah. um, yes, basic financial literacy is a great tip, number one. Yeah. And then I always, like I said, it's not med school hard. And I joke because I'm a dermatologist, like, I don't know how to read an EKG. If you can read an EKG, you can learn money. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had a nightmare the other day that, um, because I, I, I had a nightmare that like, I couldn't find a job as a dermatologist because we weren't like needed in the time of COVID. And so I was asked to be repurposed as to do primary care. And so the nightmare wasn't primary care. The nightmare was they said I would have to learn how to read EKGs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, I was like, I, I'm like, I can't figure that out. And I definitely, I, I'm not as smart as I was in med school. Like, that's definitely not something I could learn right now. But anyway, it was a dream. <laughs> oh, thank God, right? Yeah. And if I if I had to see rashes all day long, I, I'd be terrified too. <laughs> So <laughs> we all have our skill sets. So yeah. uh, what's what's tip number two? 
Uh, tip number two is uh, kind of spins off of tip number one, just to just learn the language of money, financial literacy. And so tip number two is you need to learn how to make money work for you or you will work for money forever. Well, let that sink in for a second. So so what does that mean? Let's dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. So most of us, like I said, we think of money as in like a job, like that's how we make money. And so the problem with the job also called just overbroke, is that you have to work for money. So for physicians, it's we have to you know, we're talking about clinical medicine, you have to see patients to make money. And so a lot of us think kind of linearly, like, oh, if I want to make more money, I have to see more patients, I have to spend more time working. And so one thing I like to say is the rich don't work for money, they make money work for them. So in the beginning, we're all going to work for money, because most of us, like I said, are going to work as physicians. And that's, that's totally well and fine, we make great incomes. But a lot of us don't spend enough time learning how to invest. And a lot of us are just told, oh, just invest in the stock market. And that is totally fine and everything. It's just that it takes a very long time to grow. And if you're someone who wants flexibility earlier than waiting till age 65 and just want choices, I think at the end of the day, money is a tool. It gives you choices. So if you want choices sooner, then you have to learn how to invest money in other ways. And generally speaking, you have to then overcome some mindset blocks and fears around investing a lot of fear around losing money, et cetera. Absolutely. Yes, there is. Um, which again, yeah, ties really along to your previous point is, um, that's why they talk about doctor investments, right? These, which end up being like Ponzi schemes or really horrible investments because they're like, yeah, here's 20 grand. My buddy Joe told me this was a good stock tip. Right. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's, uh, that's absolutely true. But, but Bonnie, I mean, we, uh, we make really good money and we're always going to have a job. So why do we got to worry about it? So I think you can definitely, you know, go in that direction. And I, so pre COVID, I think we were seeing sort of starting to see some cracks in our stability in terms of our financial security with, uh, you know, mid levels encroaching um, pediatricians were getting fired in the Midwest. I think that was a year or two ago. Hospitals are going bankrupt um, and then with, and then COVID hit. And then I think for the, probably the first time ever, it was clear that our jobs weren't a hundred percent secure. So I think back, I don't want to say back in the old days, but I think the older physicians did live in a different time of medicine. Yes. I think they were making more money. You know, I don't know if you know this, Andrew, but you know, we are the only um, profession where we get a pay cut every year because reimbursements de decline every year. No other well, field. That's depressing. <laughs> Every field, you know, you're you definitely you generally get a raise to keep up with inflation. We we but we kind of go backwards. It's it's just very strange because well, that's a whole nother you know discussion. But as you know, <laughs> our our salaries are a very small piece of the total cost of healthcare. But we're like the easiest ones to attack because everyone thinks we're rich. <laughs> right. We all drive Lambos and have three homes. Yeah. I mean, obviously. So. Uh yeah. It's um. So back to putting money to work for you, you know, I've heard it described as, uh, you know, money, money can be your little soldiers that go to war for you uh, when when you're at work or you're doing other things, uh, assuming you can deploy it correctly. So um, so how do we do that? I mean, I know there are a lot of vehicles uh, for investments um, and most people's only experience with investing is uh, their 401k, which yeah. oftentimes don't have very good investments. <laughs> um, yeah, generally speaking, it's just index funds, right? So yeah. 
Most for so most physicians probably have with their uh, work for a large hospital, it's generally a 403B and 403Bs as a rule can only be invested in annuities or index funds. 401Ks have more leeway. Um, but even then, generally speaking, you're only offered index funds, which is totally fine. It's mm-hmm. I would say it's probably the easiest thing to learn to invest because they've made it so easy now. Like I just tell people start with a target fund and then you can get fancy later. But like, I don't want people having a haul and just pick something to get started. And like I said, they've made it so easy. Like you literally could just pick a target fund and then deal with it later type of thing. And it's actually fine to stay in a target fund. It's a bit more expensive, but then I'd rather you pay a little bit more than not invested at all and have money just sitting in cash, losing money. Which Well, that's the thing, right? They Usually they default to some like bond fund or uh, a money market, which is mm-hmm. just going to make you nothing. So uh what's a target fund for people who don't, who you said annuity and then somebody just threw up on the ground. So, so tell me what, what that means. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think annuities, like it's not something in my opinion that any younger physician should think about. It should definitely be invested in an index fund. So an index fund is literally, so instead of like having to like pick an individual stock, which most of us probably don't have the interest or time to do um, an index fund is basically a bucket and there's like, usually hundreds, if not thousands of stocks in one bucket. So instead of just trying to buy a little bit of Amazon, a little bit of Apple, like they've created these like buckets where you, you literally buy a bunch of stocks all at once and you're spreading your risk. Cause if once, st- if you just buy like one stock and that stock crashes, like you're toast, right? But with an index fund, technically we should call these mutual funds. You're, you're buying a lot of stocks at once and index funds are actually a type of mutual fund that follows an index. So it's just like the S and P index. These are just like, People just made up these index like this. These are the top 100 companies that we follow and they are a marker of like the stock market health. So S&P 500 is an example. And then a target fund kind of does the work even a little bit, you know, a step further. They actually, usually they're invested in three funds. Usually they're in a stock market fund um, and then they have a bond fund and they might have some international stocks and they've sort of predetermined the ratios for you. Generally speaking, the younger you are, the higher amount of stocks you want because they're more aggressive, more risk, higher returns. Because if when you're younger, that means you have a long investment horizon. Although I would argue that even if you're close to retirement, whatever that, let's say you're age 60, I I would still argue that you should be heavily invested in stocks because you're probably going to live for decades. Mm-hmm. So it's still going to be invested for decades. So I see this misconception that oh, I'm going to retire soon. I should, I should swing back to like 50% bonds or whatever, but you're going to, the money will be invested for decades and you still want the money to grow. So. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's most people's only introduction to investments or, you know, their buddy that trade, that's a day trader or um, they got some good stock tip down the street, but what are some other ways that we can make our money work for us? Yeah. So um, I would say for physicians who also own their own practice, like they're that in itself is a vehicle, right? Because sure, you work for the practice, but then you might hire other doctors to work there. And then you're sort of leveraging. This kind of sounds bad, but that's basically what, if you're an employee, you are making money for your employer, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if you want a business, if you, that's why opening a practice or opening a business can really help because you can leverage other people to help you make money, right? So that's any business, but since a lot of physicians own their own practice, right? Um, so any business, whether it's your practice or some other business idea, and then real estate. So real estate's kind of like the next natural thing after the stock market, because probably one of the things I hear physicians complain about the most is income taxes, right? So part, mainly because people don't understand how income taxes work, but basically I'll just give people a tip. If you are a W2 employee, 
or if you are an employee in general, which is generally W-2, that is the highest tax income. And so the goal is to actually have non, what we call non-active income. And so real estate falls into that category. Business also falls into that category, although real estate has better tax treatment. So like literally the IRS code, I joke, is written for real estate investors. So many tax shelters. And then I've, I've thought about this and I've also seen people argue saying, well, is that really fair? But fair is like a whole nother discussion right? <laughs> in life. But people like, well, is it fair that real estate investors don't pay income taxes? But I think that's kind of a that's looking at only half the picture because the government wants the government wants their money. Like we kind of know that, right? They're not going to just like let real, why would they let real estate investors not pay income taxes? It's because they're generating taxes in other ways, because it it makes sense. If you think about the IRS code, if you invest in real estate, if you create a business, you're sort of creating a little micro engine of the economy, so to speak, right? You're employing people, then you're paying taxes right on their payroll. If you own real estate, you're you're generating property taxes and you're employing people to, you know, run the properties. And so it's not that you're not paying taxes, you're just not paying income taxes. The taxes, the income taxes are just being displaced with other taxes. And with real estate, guess what? Other people are paying those taxes for you because you have renters. True. And then the way real estate works in terms of on on paper and what that means is on your on your uh income tax return, it's it's such a way that most real estate income is not taxed. And that's one layer. And then the second layer is if you have a certain amount of real estate, you can actually start um, writing off against your active clinical income since we're talking about physicians. So there are physicians who don't pay income taxes like zero because they invest in real estate. That's so the real estate's making money. That's not taxed. And then they're not paying taxes on, active income. So they're like supercharging their ability to pump that extra money. They're not paying in taxes towards investing more or whatever. Yes. It's real estate. I've talked about it before is an amazing vehicle for your money. Um, a lot of different, uh, you know, real estate is such an umbrella term and there's so yeah. many different ways to get involved, um, which is again, a different discussion. <laughs> yeah. I just like to say a few things. Cause I think people have these misconceptions about, And again, this is kind of like this whole thing that money is hard, but like there are lots of rich people that are way dumber than you, (laughs) right? It's true. I'm sure you know some. (laughs) And uh, all rich people, I'm kind of using that term, all rich people own real estate. So it's worth looking into. But then you hear these things like, I don't want to fix toilets. Like, well, I don't either. And I don't. (laughs) Exactly. Now the, uh, it's true. I mean, a, a lot of these things, right? Simple, maybe not easy necessarily at first, but simple and very easy to learn if you just spend a little time working on your knowledge base, which is kind of going back to this whole, this entire discussion. Yeah. Um, so tip number one was basic financial literacy and learning the language of money. Uh, tip number two was uh, put your money to work for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so what's tip number three? Tip number three might sound a bit vague, but basically I was was trying to figure out a way to say this more eloquently, but basically money is a tool that ultimately you can control because I think most people feel like they're at the mercy of money, Hmm. like money happens to them or doesn't happen to them. And so kind of like taking like the more 
victim approach to money. Mm. And I think that's just a lot of it's the way we're brought up. But one thing I really try to teach physicians is it's actually the opposite. And the more you learn about money, the more you realize it is something that is totally your in control. You have to learn about it. You have to learn how to invest. You have to learn how to invest in real estate. That's something you want to learn. And I think, like I said, a lot of us are, it's like, we don't want to be beginners again. We're like, cause like, it's like, we've done that. We, 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 we spend 10 years to train. I think we like forget how much we suck when we first started. <laughs> like I, I joke, like, do you remember the first time you talked to a patient or, or took a HMP? Oh, I mean, vaguely, well. <laughs> I remember like, at least I, I vaguely remember thinking like, how am I going to remember all the questions to ask? Like you have your index cards in front of you and you're, you're like, you're like, you can't even like listen to them because you're, you're so worried you're going to forget to ask them something. But now it's like, you don't even think about it. It's so easy. And I think there's this like hesitancy to go back to that beginner's mindset because you will be a beginner probably when it comes to money. But there's so many, the thing is though, even compared to 10 years ago, there are so many great resources now and our fellow docs talking about it. You know, we see a lot of, you know, it used to just be white coat investor. That was the only thing that was out there. Mm -hmm. Um, But now what's that? That's how I first learned. Same. Yeah. That's why when I had Jim Dolly on my podcast, it was like celebrity issue. I was like, oh my God. And he's like, nobody knows who I am outside of the doctor circles. Um, But yeah, there's so many great resources out there, uh, you being one of them. And it's not, again, it's not hard to learn. So just, just get into it and learn it or, you know, get some help from somebody else. Yeah. It's totally, it's, well, I say is it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent learnable. You can, it's like, there's no doubt in my mind that any physician watching this is capable of learning. Like it's, it's not, it's not hard at all. It's nothing compared to, I was talking to a, an OB anesthesiologist yesterday. And I was like, I was like, shoot, I was like, if you can do that, you can definitely learn this. Cause that's like <laughs> one of the reasons why I, you know, when I was, I, I knew I wanted to be a dermatologist early on, but I had um, next a bunch of specialties, anesthesiology being one of them, because I could not understand physiology for the life of me. <laughs> and I can't read an EKG. So that just. Well, yeah, work. that would make it hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, I, I, that would not work. And so I was like, if you could do that, like you could definitely learn this. But yeah, it's like it's like this mental block, like like money's hard or, or something. And I think there's also this fear of failure, like they're going to learn it and it, they're still going to like be bad at it type of thing. Well, and, and the thing also, when it comes to, when it comes to everything outside of medicine, medicine is so, if I mess up, somebody could die. Um, in, in everything else in life, it's not that way. Um, if you wanted to start a business and it fails, you still got your doctor job, you know, nothing happened. Um, if you want to, uh, maybe you want to invest in some real estate, it, it's not going to ruin your life. Right. Um, but definitely get the knowledge uh, to start like anything else, but you're going to be okay. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Andrew is doctors are, we're just so, so risk averse because of what we do. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately that, that trait is, is not good for money. You no. kind of have to take the opposite approach. So you were talking about mindset, like, uh, you know, are there things we can do when it comes to our money mindset to help maybe get into a space that's more conducive to using our money or learning about money? Or uh, I know as a, as a coach, you, you might have an idea too here. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, the first step for any of this stuff is always just awareness, like just being aware of 
what you're thinking about money, which most, it's not like people are sitting around thinking like, what am I thinking about money? Like you don't, we don't think that way. Right. But that's really the first step is like, what are you thinking? And so I'll just give you some common things that I hear from physicians. So for example, things like, well, I'm specialty. What an X amazing show we had with Greg specialty, I really enjoyed talking to him and getting his perspective early. from a pharmacy point of view. Mm. And I like especially thought it was interesting. They say it like it's that the Greg truth. used to think. That and to add to that, all of their friends in that specialty will probably agree with levels. them. However, but that doesn't mean it's to realize true. that it was actually his own insecurities that were mm -hmm. hanging him up. And that's, that's a huge limiting belief, right? Because this is just a problem with limiting beliefs. If you tell yourself really something like that, and that's pretty, that's a pretty like can be limiting belief, well saying like I'm can a pediatrician, so I can't retire early. That along if that's your goal, Greg also attributed learning because when you say a statement like that, this is what happens to his residents by watching how physicians interact effectively. You don't even think about it. You're just like you've well. you've already decided that you're not gonna be able to retire Talk early. To me, so doc, you don't even do anything thank you about so it. So much for being here. It's kind of like when people say, "Oh, I can't afford all that." All your help. So if they, you they haven't don't subscribed even try. already, please do. And so, so I think because on the next you know show, one of the tools we have in coaching is to ask questions because our brains are supercomputers. Meaning that it wants to answer questions. So if you just reframe it as a question, is leave me a rating instead of saying I can't afford this. You can ask yourself, "How can I afford this? How can I make this work?" I'm a pediatrician. How can I retire early anyway? Is it possible? Because then your, your brain will start thinking. But when you don't answer, answer, ask a question, it has to be what I call a high quality question. Because if you ask a negative question like, why can't I make more money? That seems like a useful question, but it's kind of a negative question, right? You only get negative answers. And so just questioning yourself whether it's possible. And then also what's great about social media and your group, Andrew, is now we have access to people that have done the things we want to do. Mm -hmm. And just as, and so there's two ways to look at it, right? You can see someone who has done it and you could be like totally inspired, like, wow, if they can do it. I can do it. Or you could say they're special and I can't do that. Cause that happens too. Right. But we always have a choice. We can either be inspired by them and see them as an example of what's possible, or we can use it against us and make, but like at the end of the day, we're all human beings. Like no one has some special unicorn power. It's just literally they decided that they could do it and they tried. Because like I mean, the worst thing that can happen, us, right? You and I both have superpowers. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 no, that's but a I great think point. There's this, people think like people probably look at you, Andrew, and you're going to think like there's something special about you to be able to run this group and be in social media. Like I remember the first time I did a Facebook Live. Actually, I chickened out and didn't do it because I was so terrified of doing it. And now I don't even like think about it. And I still do lives where I'm like, wow, that was pretty terrible. But like I, the good news is it's like here today, gone tomorrow with Facebook Live. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, maybe it's just us talking to each other. Who cares? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the high quality question thing. You know, even someone, you know, myself who likes to talk about money all the time, I'll find myself um, sometimes, you know, being in a store and be like, oh, man, oh, that's too expensive. And then I'll be like, that's ridiculous. I can pay another 45 cents for that thing, you know? Um, but it's catching yourself at some of those moments uh, mm -hmm. and realizing what your brain is trying to do. Um, and I love the, how can I afford it? You know, I've, I've done that a few times too. And you'll be surprised at what your brain comes up with. Absolutely. Uh, as long because as I think for those of us who have kids, I'm not saying this, you know, but like, if you if you're if you're a parent watching this and if something happened to your kid and you had to come up with some way to pay for whatever they needed, like you would figure it out. 
but in some ways, I think a lot of us don't take that approach. I know it's different, you know, because we think it's not the same, but like, I don't know. I just feel like making, learning how to make money work for you, you know, um, gaining financial freedom, like that's what's at stake and what's what, what becomes possible for you and your family. But like, we don't put the same priority on it because of fears, et cetera. But like I said, if, but I also know that if that person was in a situation where they had to figure out how to make or get a lot of money for their kid, they will figure it out somehow. It's, it's just amazing how resourceful you can be when you kind of put yourself on the line. Yeah. And it's all this, this negative self-talk as well. And it, it, it applies to anything. You know, I had a client who told me she was bad at technology. So that's why she couldn't start a business. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Right. Um, because you're a, you're a practicing hospitalist and you take care of multiple sick patients. Um, just watching our language and saying things like I'm learning how technology can serve me best or something of that effect really will change your whole outlook. Um, but we, we don't catch ourselves in these things. Yeah. I love that. What you said, we don't, yeah, we don't catch ourselves. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, I think realizing it's there and trying to work towards it. And then, uh, the thing, the great thing about the physician community right now, even our, you know, heroes and our people that are making so much money doing all these things is everyone's very approachable. Um, so, you know, I think, I don't know, you know, I can't generally say it, but anyone I've ever reached out to is always happy to have a conversation with me. And, um, I know anyone who reaches out to me, I'm happy to have a conversation with. So, uh, we've all been there. We're docs too. And like Bonnie said, we're not any more special than you. I mean, this isn't my superpower flannel that I have on. It's, uh, you know, we're just regular people. So, um, if you, uh, could you recap the, uh, your three tips, uh, for everyone who's listening or maybe who came in late? Yeah. So the first thing I said was to learn the language of money or basically, you know, learn financial literacy because basically you didn't go to money school. So how could you know about money? And so, and like you said, Andrew, there's so many great resources now before it was just literally like you just had the Google (laughs) and like some books written by old white guys who weren't physicians. Right. But now there's books written by physicians. There's all these, there's podcasts, blog. Like I feel like however way you love to learn, it's like available to you right now. Right. There's podcasters, blogs, there's courses, et cetera, including my course. And then the second thing is that you need to learn how to make money work for you or you will work for money forever. And I think a lot of things like physician burnout, et cetera, can be alleviated if I think if you were able to work a little bit less and we all go through different seasons in life. So there might be a season where you're like, you know, I really just want to work part time. But then you feel like you can't because you didn't you didn't handle your money, et cetera. And so that's, you know, that's why you have to learn how to make money work for you. And what I see a lot, I don't know if you see this, Andrew, is I'll see like residents or new attendings who, and I I was one of these people were like, oh, I, you know, we're like used to working hard and we kind of love it. And we're like, oh, I'm going to be working hard forever. And you're like, I, I don't need to do that. But I think you have, I think we also know like people, you're going to change and our priorities change. And so you'll never regret having your money handled. Like I just can't imagine why you would regret that. No. Yeah. Yeah, so I see. I did it. You can be, you can just be a philanthropist and give all your money away because you've accumulated so much money. And that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to be in that position, right? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, I see it all the time. And I came out of residency and I hit the ground running, and I was burnt out within like a couple months. Um, and now it's like, no, maybe I don't want to work that hard. Um, you know, that's it's a great point. You know, it's you're not going to want to work that hard. You're not going to put in resident hours forever. Yeah. Um, 
unless you really want to, but you still should have your money handled. Even if that's what yeah, you're, you're just not going to regret it. No. Cause you'll want to, Go on some nice vacations after you work hard, right? Work hard, play hard. So anyway. And the third thing I said was that um, money is ultimately a tool that you can control, even though right now it might not seem like it. And those first two things are really going to facilitate that. Because the more you learn about money, the more you learn that you can make money work for you, you realize that it is something you can ultimately manage and control because ultimately it's a tool to kind of be able to create the lives you want to live. So whether it's to work part-time, whether it's to be able to take a month off or whether it's to just build up a nest egg just to take care of you. There's so many different ways to make money work for you. And in terms of goals and dreams that people have. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Bonnie, thanks so much for coming on here and, and giving us some of your knowledge and time and sharing those three tips with the listeners. I'm sure. Well, again, Andrew, thanks so much for having me. And I hope whoever's watching this will um, really take these tips to heart and really learn how to make money work for them. And that really that the only t- thing standing between the, you know, someone and, you know, whatever dream or goal they have of what their life should look like is just really just start to start making decisions and start taking action towards it. And it, it's really, you know, your wealth is built $1 at a time and mm-hmm. a dollar doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, $1 at a time, that's, that's kind of all you need to focus on. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right, Bonnie. Well, thank you again. Good to see you as always and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's so great. Thank you. That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go leave a honest rating interview on Apple podcast. It really helps get the show out there. The other thing I'd like you to do after listening is look me up on LinkedIn. I'm Andrew Tisser, career strategist. As always, if you're a physician dissatisfied with your current situation and are looking to make a change, visit my website at andrewtisserdo.com and we can schedule a free time to chat and see how I can help you. Until next time, keep talking. This podcast was brought to you by Contract Diagnostics. This is a company that specializes in contract reviews. Specialization is something we can all appreciate here. So again, when you or your family have contract needs, give them a call. They'll help you understand your contract and make sure it lines up with your interests and protects the assets that you covet most, your time and family. Find them at drpodcastnetwork.com slash contract diagnostics or by phone at 888-574-5526.